Well, welcome to our Savior's Church. I'm glad you're here this morning. Happy New Year. Thank you for returning that back to me. You're good looking people. That was okay. I mean, I, I was thinking 2014, we'd have got it by now. I mean, I wore you out all year last year to try and tell me I look good in the morning so I can preach better. You look good this morning. Oh, yeah, I'll get you some of that. I feel better already. Man, I look better than last year? No, better, better, better. Welcome. We're starting a new series this morning, and, and we're, we're starting this series is going to tie into our seven days of prayer and fasting, and, and it's, it's, you're going to hear this word for the next month. It's going to be new. So welcome to a new year and our new series entitled New. I had to practice that one for a while. Did I do all right? That's a bit of a tongue twister. So uh, anyway, we're, we're starting a new series entitled New, and, and I'm excited about it, and it's, it's a great series, and... And you're going to discover some great things about yourself this morning. Amen? You ready for that? You know, since, the, since this is the first Sunday of a new year, I want to give you three things that are important at our Savior's Church to us. And the first thing is if you're a new family or a new believer or a new follower of Jesus Christ, there's three things that are real important for you. The first thing is water baptism. If you've given your life to Jesus, you made a decision to follow after him. We want you to take the next step and go into water baptism. We'll schedule one. We got one coming. We just did one last week. We baptized eight people. Come on. Come on. Little Joshy. Little Joshy was on the worship team. And, and I mean, like most of y'all left. Okay. And I said, if anybody after church wants to get baptized, you know, you changed your mind. I said, you come up. Well, I'm, I'm like, I got lunch on my mind by now. And Joshy comes up and goes, well, Pastor, uh, I, I feel like I need to be baptized. I was like, well, that's great, Joshy. And he, he had that look on his face. I went, today? And he said, yes, sir. I said, but you don't have any clothes. He said, that's okay. I'm like, okay. I said, your mama's going to be mad at me because she's not here. He goes, that's okay. And so we walked over to the baptism. And me and I think it was Derek was with me. And we, we baptized him. Come on, somebody. Isn't that good? I mean, I'm just so excited. I love baptism. I love water baptism. And I just, I believe it's important. So that's important to our church. And, and the second thing that's important to us is that you join a church. If, if God's not calling you here, then go join the church that he's calling you to. Amen. We're not the only church in town. There's plenty of good churches in this town. All right. But if God tells you to plant here, we want you to plant here. Amen. Because you need to be obedient to God. Right. So you need to join a church. Our membership classes start in February, probably on the first Sunday is we're going to start. You'll, you'll start seeing some advertisements for that. It'll be a first step class, a membership class. We'll, we'll, we'll just really encourage you to go through that so you can find out about us. We can find out about you. We can make commitments to one another and all those good things. Isn't that good? And then the third thing we want you to do is to join in on our seven days of prayer and fasting. Right? That starts tomorrow. Tomorrow morning. Seven days of prayer and fasting. You go, okay, pastor, that's great. I'll join in with that. But, but let me ask you something. Do you know what prayer and fasting means? I believe most of us know that what prayer means, and when we'll pray for seven days, I don't doubt that. I know some of you in this room, you pray seven days in a row anyway, right? But prayer and fasting is when you pray, and we're going to give you some specific things to pray for. You, you should have gotten a, a sheet like this. If you didn't, you need to grab one of our good-looking ushers and, and get a sheet like this from him. This is just a guide to help you so that we can collectively as a church pray and fast together and kind of keep things going in the same direction. Okay, But we want you to pray, and then we want you to fast. 
Okay. Now I know Doug, my buddy Doug in the sound booth, Doug's probably going to, he's, he's probably going to be fasting vegetables. Okay. Doug's been, you've been fasting vegetables. How long, Doug? 48 years. I mean, that's, that's a committed man. I mean, you know what I'm saying? That's just, that's faithfulness right there. But you don't need to fast something you don't like is what I'm getting at. Right? Some of you say, well, I'm fasting work. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> You're going to go back and you ain't going to have a job. All right? But with, fasting is giving, giving up of something that's important to you and devoting that time to spend with Jesus. Okay, now some of us will get caught up in the, the, the giving away part. We'll say, okay, I'm fasting TV. Great, you won't watch any TV, but you won't spend any time with Jesus. That's not a fast. That just means you're mad at TV. Okay? But we want you to fast is when you give up something important and you replace it with spending incredible time with Jesus. We believe this is important because we like to start the year off right. We like to give the first fruits of our year to Jesus. Amen? And so I encourage you to do that. So three things. You just need to be water baptized. If you became a follower of Christ, you need to join a church. And then you need to join in with us on seven days of prayer and fasting. So this morning, I want to take you on a, a spiritual journey with this new series. You know that God has a vision for your life, right? You've heard me say that if you've been in this church any amount of time. God has a vision for your life. And do you know what that vision looks like? That vision looks like what heaven looks like. What's in heaven? Everything that's perfect. Right? Goodness. The Bible says there'd be no more tears. No more sorrow. You, you know, when you pray the, the Lord's Prayer, you say, as it is in heaven, so shall it be on earth. You know that that's God's intentions for you? That's His intentions for you. But you know what messes it up is sin. Sin gets in the way and messes all that up, right? So God's intentions for you are to have heaven here on earth. Anybody receive that this morning? Go with me to Revelations chapter 21. It says this, it says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. God always intended it for, for us to be this way. Sin messed it up. Verse, it goes on, it says, all these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. You know, when the, the thing that Jesus wants to say to you this morning is that, look, I've made everything new. He wants to say, look, I've made you new. Right now, we all like we all like new, don't we? I, listen to me. I like a new car. OK, I just bought a secondhand truck and it, it, it was almost new. I had a hard time with that because I don't know what somebody did in that truck. That bothers me, okay? You follow me? I like new things. I like the way they smell. I like the way they feel. I like to break the leather in. I like to put the smell in the truck. You, 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 you tracking with me? I like to do that, okay? Because it's mine, and I want new things. I like new shoes. I don't like old shoes. And you don't want shoes after me because they're worn out, right? But we all like things new. And you know what? God intends for us to be new. When he saved you, he wanted you to be new. But some of us didn't get that. Some of us didn't receive that. Some of us weren't even told that we were now a new creation. Some of us thought, well, you know, God's going to make my life better. He's going to improve my life. 
But you, maybe you didn't really even have the thought that he's going to make me new. You ever hear the statement, new and improved? You know, with, with your, 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 uh, your clothes detergent, your, your washing machine detergent, it's new and improved Tide. How many times is Tide going to be new and improved? I mean, listen, if something is new, then it can't be improved. Right? At the same time. And I believe sometimes we have that mentality that God wants to improve us when in reality he wants to make us new. Amen? He didn't die on the cross just so you could get better. He died on the cross so that you could be made new. Right? The old is gone. The the new has come is what the Bible says. Do you know when it comes to resolutions, how many of you, I hate to even ask this. How many of you made resolutions this year? Raise your hand. Oh, come on. You some smart people. Either that or you're lying. But how many of you had resolutions that kind of go like this? And and by the way, 80% of all resolutions, New Year's resolutions are dropped by Valentine's Day. I mean, seriously, some of you go, it didn't even go that long <laughs> last year. But let me ask you, some of you, maybe your resolutions have looked like this over the last couple of years. Your first resolution in 2012 was, is I'll work out five days a week. That was your resolution. I'm going to work out five days a week. 2013 came, you said, I'm going to work out three days a week. <laughs> right? In 2014, your resolution is, I'm going to drive by the gym at least once a week. <laughs> Anybody fit that description? Maybe your second resolution was like this. In 2012, you said, I will read at least 10 books this year. 2013, you said, I will read the last book I started. 2014, maybe you're saying, well, look, I'm just going to try to finish the comic section in the newspaper if I can. Right? Or maybe your resolution was like this. I will pay off my bank loan this year in 2012. Coming into 2013, maybe you said, I will pay off my bank loans this year. You see, it increased. <laughs> it didn't happen. And in 2014, you say, maybe I'll be out the country before the new year starts. <laughs> right? Isn't that how it works, though? We make these resolutions and we try to change our lives. Right? We try to change our activities. We try to change what we're doing. Come on. I mean, listen, I guarantee it's probably going through everybody's mind. I need to do something better this year. You're wise enough not to make a resolution because that's just foolish. I remember one, one New Year's, we stayed up till one in the morning talking about everything we was going to do new. It didn't work. All I did was lost sleep. Right? But sometimes we try to change things on the outside and we try to improve our lives. And we make, we make almost like a, a deal with ourselves. Maybe I'll, this year I'll do this. But it never changes, right? It never changes. I got to confess to you, I've been this size for a long time. But every year I want to lose weight. Every year I want to get healthy. Every year I just say it a little different. You know, the first time it was, I'm going to lose weight. The second time, I'm going to get healthy. You know, forget what my pants size is. I just want to be healthy. I've tried to spiritualize it. I've tried to do everything I can to lose weight. It don't work. You with me? I mean, I'll skip McDonald's for a month, but then it's just got that draw. I mean, I don't know what it is. It's nasty, but it just works. It's quick. That's the problem. Second Corinthians says this in 517. It says that when someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. Say brand new. 
He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. In other words, you're a new creation. When you gave your life to Jesus, when you decided to follow Christ, you became brand new. In order to be brand new, the old has to what? Disappear. Brand new. You know, if you're brand new, you don't have to act like you used to act. If you're brand new, you don't have to get fashayed like you used to get fashayed. If you're brand new, you don't have to eat as much bluebell as you want to eat. Right? Because the old man's dead. With all of his cravings for ice cream, all of his addictions for whatever, you don't have to be that anymore. Sometimes maybe we go back to that because it's just habit or maybe we just don't have a clear understanding that he really did make me new. I really am new. I don't have to be that old Jamie anymore. Now temptation is going to come and you're going you're to be tempted to, to go back to that old thing, right? I mean, listen, we all are tempted. But when you're new, you don't have to go back. You getting this? You want to be new? I want to be new. I am new. You are new. You just got to walk in it. You see, you're not going to be brand new today. You've been brand new. Some of you need to realize that. And you know what the privilege of that is? That you get to look back and say, you know what? I did chase my old life in 2013. I did follow my old patterns in 2013. But why? Why did I do that? I'm new. I don't have to be that anymore. Amen? You know, statistics say that 78% of Americans are wearing the label Christian. You you believe that? 78% of Americans wear the the name tag of Christian. They say, I'm a Christian. But you know, only 7% of that 78% actually can say that Christianity has changed their life. Seven out of 78. Wow. You know, you don't need a New Year's resolution. You need a New Year's revolution. You need something to get revolved in your life. You need something to turn around in your life. You don't need to turn over a new leaf. You need to turn over a new life. Amen. So let me give you three ways that we approach life and life change. The first way is, is we approach life change is we, we go, we're changing on the outside in or you're changing inside out. Three ways that you can approach life change and, and, and being a better person and all these things is that you can either change from the outside in. And that's what religion tells you you need to do. Anybody ever been religious before? You better raise your hand. Anybody ever tried to tell somebody they need to quit smoking before they told them about Jesus? I have. I've been a religious man. I've tried to change the outside instead of changing the inside. I had a teenage boy living with me one time. I skull dragged him outside, threw him up against the fence to try and change him. I mean, he was this close to go and see Jesus. Let me tell you something. It did not change him. Because I was dealing with the skin and I didn't get to the heart. Right? When Jesus saved you, he he brought you from spiritual death into spiritual life. Right? And he's doing a work. He's doing an inside job on you. 
He's working from the inside out. I said, if you know Jesus, if you've just met Jesus, I don't have to tell you to quit smoking. I don't have to tell you to quit drinking or quit cussing. Because if you've really met Jesus, he's telling you. The Holy Spirit's telling you. All I got to do is encourage you to keep on doing what he's telling you to do. The second way we approach life change is by doing something different or being someone different. Man, listen, I've changed my activities till I'm blue in the face. All right. I've changed jobs just to think that it would make me better. (laughs) Didn't happen. I've changed going places, hanging out with certain people to, to think that I would get better. But I just need to be someone different. The third way we approach life change is improving the old you or becoming a new you. Now, you know, God had, a, had the old, in the Old Testament, God had the old covenant and he had it set up so that we could, we could get past our sin. We could be forgiven of our sin. And so when, in the Old Testament, when you sinned, you had to go sacrifice an animal and, and pour the blood and do the whole ritual, the whole, the whole scheme and all these things. Thank God we don't have to do that anymore, right? No. I mean, there'd be some dead animals in my house. Don't you laugh at me. But that was the old system. That was how you got past your sin. But the thing about the old system is it never dealt with the guilt that you feel. Right? So watch this, what it says in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, it says, This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Somebody needs to underline that in your, in your Bible and it needs to be underlined in your life. Your sins and your lawless acts will be remembered no more. Have you ever tried to go back to God and repent for something you've already been forgiven of? Huh? You ever done that? Anybody? I mean, I've done that. I remember I had a habit of doing that when I was a new believer. I constantly, oh Lord, I'm feeling guilty about something Lord, forgive me for that time I beat that guy up and he didn't deserve it. And, you know, I was twice his size. Lord, I'm sorry. And he's going, man, what are you talking about? I don't remember that. I know the new you. I don't remember the old you. Let me tell you something. This is for somebody here this morning. God's not your mom and your daddy. He's not going to remind you of your past. He's not going to throw it back in your face to make you feel guilty and to hold you under some kind of condemnation. He's not going to do that. He forgot it. He forgot it. When he looks at you, he sees the new you. Amen. He sees the new you. So however you were raised, whether it was right or wrong, you just need to get past that. God's not going to deal with you that way. He doesn't operate in the, in the gift of guilt. If you're feeling guilty, let me tell you something. It's coming from the enemy. God deals in conviction by the Holy Spirit. And he's a gentle God that can blow up at any moment. Right? But he's a gentle God that comes and he speaks to you. And he tells you to deal with something specifically. And when you got conviction from the Holy Spirit, you don't feel guilty. You know what you feel? You feel loved. You feel loved. You feel that God loves me enough and he's paying so much attention to me that he saw that thing in my life and he says to me, change it. Does that make sense? He doesn't deal in guilt. 
Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been for, and where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. You don't have to sacrifice for sin anymore. It's been done. That's why we took communion this morning to remind you that sin has already been dealt with. You don't have to change something on the outside. You just need to realize that you're new and that he's already done it and that you can now go forward. Amen. The next verse says this is therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God. Look at what he's saying. He said, let us have confidence to enter the most holy place of God because of what Jesus did. When Jesus died on the cross, he gave you a God given right. Listen to me. It's a right to be in the most holy place. You can now that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you can now go into the holy of holies. Amen. And you, some of you have never, ever ventured out into that land. You just come to church and get you a good little feeling about yourself and then you go out and you try to quit things. When man, there's so much more. So much. He gave me the right to go and be in the throne room with Jesus. Are you hearing me? You know what that, let me, let me practicalize that for you. I don't know if I said that. I just made up a new word. Let me practicalize that for you. That's my new word. Practicalize. I'm going to practicalize that for you. I'm practicing that my new word. You know what that looks like? That looks like when you get up in the morning, you can simply say, Father, thank you so much for a new day. Lord, you, you can fall on your knees and say, Lord, thank you so much. You know what that means? That means you can stay there for a little while. And you can just bask in his presence. Come on, this is real, y'all. And this is let me let me tell you something, men, for all you men that think this is what your wife's supposed to be doing. I'm a man. you got to do this. It's one of the most manly things you can do. David did it. Right? Jesus did it. Jesus told the other men he was hanging out with, y'all stay there, I'm going up on the mountaintop, I got to get next to God. He didn't just go sit on the rock and say, okay, Lord, let's talk about it. I believe he got on his knees and he started weeping and there was emotions that came through and it was intimate. Are you hearing me? It was intimate. We've been given this right, and it's one of the most manly things you can do. I don't know how you can lead your family if you're not having those times with Jesus. It's been given to us, and we got to have it. Say this to us, I got to get me some of that. That didn't sound real convincing. Somebody's like, I don't want none of that. He's going to tell me I got to change something. I got to be different. Well, good. Something needs to change. You know, the best decision you can make in 2014 is to get closer to God. Before you try to diet, before you try to get your finances straight, before you try to do anything else, you just need to get closer to God. He says, my sheep know my voice. (laughs) My sheep know my voice. You know what that means to me? That I can hear God's voice. 
It's not just for Pastor Jamie to hear God's voice. When you decided to follow Jesus, you were given the right to hear God's voice. I don't know who that's for, but that's for somebody. If somebody told you that God don't speak, he spoke to Moses, he don't speak to us. That's what somebody told me one time. Verse 23 says this, and I want to show you, he starts talking about the let us. And he says this, he says, you need to let us do some things. So he says, therefore, you can, in verse 21, 19, 21, he says, you, you have confidence to go into the most holy place because Jesus has opened the door for you to go there. You can go into the most holy place with God. You can be intimate with him as much as you want to be. And let me give you this little side note. You are as close to God today as you want to be. You are as close to God as you want to be. He's not holding you back. He's got no restrictions. He's not limiting you. You are as close as you want to be. Amen. So verse 22, he says this, he says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. We need to draw near to God. Draw near to God. So you need to, what he says is, let us draw near to God. So if what's your goal for 2014, draw near to God. What's your goal every day? Draw near to God. Are you with me? You're a new creation. You can't hang out with an old world and not ever go and get with God. Because then you're going to start being old again. You get next to God, he reminds you that you're new. He talks to you like you're new. He gives you instructions that are new. Amen. Verse 23, he says, this is let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. You need to hang on to the hope of who he is and what he's done without wavering. You need to have hope. Yeah, things can get crazy. Things can get scary. Listen to me. When you follow Jesus, things get scary. Things get hairy, except for my head, okay? Things, I mean, things just go crazy when you decide to follow Jesus. If you don't believe me, just read your Bible. The disciples saw it. You're going to have to hold on to hope. Amen? Unswervingly, you've got to hang on to it. Jesus is my hope. For you young folks, or maybe even some of you old folks, when you get in financial binds, you want to run to mom and daddy. Mom and daddy's your hope. You need to quit that. You need to go to Jesus. He's your hope. Amen. Verse 24 says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another along or on towards love and good deeds. As a new creation, you need to learn how to give some life away. (laughs) You see, I dealt with my son yesterday. He had a little issue no, it wasn't my son. It was Joshy. Well, he's still my son. I was dealing with Joshy this morning. He was a little nervous about his voice before he sang. And I said, listen, Josh, it's not about you. It's not about you. But we can all be that way, right? I mean, it's, it's all about me, my problems, my situation, my circumstance, my relationships, my marriage, my children. Thank you. I was just about to say that. It could be all about us. But you know something? Sometimes things don't change until you get away from yourself 
and you start helping some other folks. I had a friend of mine one time. He told me he, he was having back problems. He said, you know, I learned a valuable principle the other day. He said, I'm just going to call it a principle. He said, I learned this. He said, when my back hurts, I pray for all my friends that I know that have back pain. And he said, my back gets better. It don't make sense. Right. It's kind of like when you're broke, you need to go sow a seed, a financial seed. That don't make sense. But you're doing something by faith. You're doing something for somebody else. Are you hearing me? You need to learn to get away from yourself and go help somebody. Listen, as a pastor, I got I feel this pressure to always have this. That's me just, you know, as a pastor, I got to be this. I feel that pressure sometimes. Sometimes people want to put that on me like, I'm pastor, I'm perfect. Listen to me. I get mad. I get sad. I get depressed. But you know what? In the middle of all my pity party, I still got to learn to give it away and get out and give and help somebody else. Sometimes I'm encouraging people when I need encouragement myself. I come here on Sunday morning sometimes. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm broke, busted, and disgusted. But I get up here and I preach my guts out. And I, woo, and I do all sell kind of crazy things about my family. <laughs> to try and help you. And the whole time I need some help. But let me tell you the secret. Sometimes I walk out of here and I go, dang God, that was a good message. Thank you for that. Woo, glad I came to church today. I'm serious. I had more comments last over last week's message. And I was like, shoot, I had to give myself. It was a good message. Oh, God, I needed that one. But you got to you got to press in and you got to give it away. You need to encourage somebody. You need to make your mission this year to encourage folks. Because in your encouragement, you just might find encouragement. It's kind of like making disciples. When I started making disciples and I took guys on one-on-one and I started spending time with them and helping them, I, I realized real quick that this is more for me than it is for them. Because what I'm telling them they need to do and, how, and encouraging them on how they need to do this and that, the whole time I'm, I'm, I'm like taking notes. <laughs> Lord, that's good. Anybody ever experienced that? That's what I'm talking about. You've got to give it away. It can't just be about you. Amen? You got to spur one another along. You know what a spur is? Maybe you forgot because nobody, hardly anybody wears spurs anymore. I wish I had a spur this morning. I'd kick somebody in the butt. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but, but a spur is something you wear on your heel. And when you're riding a horse and you don't want to do what you want to say, you give them a little kick, kick. And it puts a little giddy up in their step, Right? Some of you need a little spurring. I'm not going to kick you. Unless the Lord tells me to. (laughs) But I want to spur you along. Sometimes as a man, I need to hear the truth about myself. I need other men around me to go, bro, you you whining. (laughs) You whining, man. You complaining. What the heck you complaining for? You're rude. You know why I love my pastor so much? He and I, I mean, our personality is almost like oil and water. I mean, we can almost get on each other's nerves because I'm a laid back kind of guy and he's a 
100 miles an hour kind of guy. But you know what I love about him so much? Is that he tells me the truth. He spurs me along. He encourages me. I know there's a lot of times he wants to strangle me, but you know how he brings it? He'll bring it across in the form of encouragement. And I can tell the difference now. And that's almost worse than I'd rather him. I'd almost rather him kick me or strangle me than to say, hey, man, look, you, you really ought to try to start doing this. And I'm like, God, I hate that. It hurts worse. Amen. So let us consider how we can spur one another along. And the next one is verse 25. He says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. That's my verse for coming to church. Can I give you that? God gave me that verse a long time ago. He said, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That's why I'm always here. Not because I'm getting paid, because I want to be here. You know why I want to be here? Because when I'm here, I get to be next to you. I like you that much. I like the way you smell. I like the way you look. I like the way some of you act. No, I'm just saying. But don't neglect the meeting of yourselves together. You need to encourage somebody. Man, we may miss church twice a year. And I'm not obligated to be here. If I, when I take a Sunday off, I can go wherever I want. That, that's weird to me. I want to be here with you. You're my favorite people. I'm closer to you than I am my own blood relatives. You with me? I want to be in a place where, well, I want to be around people that are going somewhere. That are spiritually alive and not spiritually dead. I don't like hanging out in the graveyards. I wasn't one of those kids that wanted to go spray paint the graveyard. That was weird. Okay, why the heck you want to go mess with some dead folks? Something might jump out and get you. I just, that's not me. I don't want to be hanging out with dead people. I want to hang out with some lively folks. Amen. And I love the messed up people God brings in this church. I'm serious. You know, most preachers want all the wealthiest, prettiest people in town to come to their church. I'm like, man, forget that. I get uncomfortable around those people. <laughs> or give me the normal folk. They got issues. That ain't perfect. Right? You getting something yet? It's good. Thank you. So let me give you a, a couple points. I just gave you those four from the scriptures, and I just want to break it down for you real quick. I'm not going to take long. The first question you need to ask yourself is, am I worshiping intimately? And only you can answer that. Okay, I can't answer that for you. Some of you, I probably could. I can see the fruits in your life and go, you ain't worshiping. You're not spending intimate time with Jesus, but I'm not going to do that this morning. I won't call you out. Thank you, Pastor. Are you worshiping God intimately? And that question is, are you spending devotional time with Jesus intimately? Are you putting everything else aside and saying to him, you are number one, the most important person in my life. You're, you're, the, you're, you're my father. You're where my hope is. I trust you. I'm spending this time with you. Is that what you're doing? Are you doing it? If you're not, let me encourage you. 
You need to do that. It's a must. You hear me talk about the priorities in your life. Your number one priority in your life is your relationship with God or Jesus. Amen. That's the most important relationship in your life. If you don't have that right, ain't nothing else going to work. Right? Are you worshiping God intimately? John 4.23 says that yet a time is coming and and has now come when, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. He wants you to worship him in spirit and in truth. Are you with me? In spirit means you may need to pray in tongues. You need to listen in your spirit. You need to, you need to sense something in your spirit. You need to receive something in your spirit. That's worshiping in your spirit. A lot of times when, when the music's playing in church, I'm up here. I, I sing in tongues, okay? I just confess to you, for all you folks got an issue with tongues. I sing in tongues. And it actually sounds better than English, in my opinion. But I do that. I worship in spirit. Are you with me? Sometimes I shut my mouth and I turn my spiritual ears on and I go, okay, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? And you know what happens? That's when he tells me something like this morning, like I want you to call all those folks up that you baptized last weekend because I want to fill them with the spirit and open it up to everybody else. That wasn't in my notes, people. There, there wasn't, that wasn't on the agenda for today. It wasn't in the time slot. It was, I was worshiping in spirit. So when I worship in spirit, I receive something in the spirit. Come on. Some of you, your spirit, man, is starving. You're not feeding him. At our herd meeting last month, we had Mr. Mike Francis came in and he talked about feeding the spirit, man. And encouraged us. And he said, he said, you know, feeding the spirit, man, is kind of like having a, a, a black dog and a white dog. Whichever one you feed is the one that's going to win the fight. Right? Why? Because it's stronger. It's more nutritioned. It's, it's taken care of. It's healthier. The other one's struggling. It's weak. It's tired. Some of your spiritual men inside of you, for some of you, may be looking like the Ethiopia poster child. It may be looking frail. And that's simply because you haven't fed it. You haven't fed it. I am responsible for feeding the spirit man inside of me. You are responsible for feeding the spirit man inside of you. If the only food your spirit man gets is on Sunday morning... Man, that's skinny. Right? Are you worshiping God intimately? Here's a promise for you. You need to memorize this verse. James 4, 8 says to come near to God and he will come near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Let me tell you something about the God I serve. Every time I put me aside and I put him in front of me, he's there. He's there. There's not a single time that I've showed up and he hasn't been there. Come on. If I say, Lord, I'm giving you the first fruits of my morning. He's there. Here I am. Let's go, bud. Come on. Right. 
Number two, am I feeding daily? Are you making God's word a part of your everyday life? I share with the herd this this weekend that uh, that you know for for years I, I was I was discipled on to study the Bible, study, 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 study. So I take a verse or two and I just study and I focus in on those two things. And this year I just feel like I, I just need to read. Okay, so so what I've done since uh, probably three or four months ago is I just started reading through the Gospels every morning. I read a chapter or two. I just I found me a good time when I can read. And nobody wants to be around me, so I, I I get my Bible on my phone and I I read. Okay. And I just read. And you know what the incredible thing is? Is that now it's becoming a story to me. I'm going, wow, man, look at what Jesus, man, Jesus was like, he would heal people and make people mad. Heal people and make people mad. I go, man. He, and I, I, I said this, uh, Jesus was crazy. I mean, he's like crazy. I mean, he caused a blind man to see and caused somebody as a snake. And get away with it. Thinking, man, I'm going to start preaching like that. You stink! No. <laughs> hey, I was in a church service earlier this year, and this guy, this guy from uh, Britain or somewhere, as he come in, and he was an evangelist, and he come out, and he, I mean, he called people out. I mean, he was like, you three over there, you got to quit all that gossiping. I was like, oh, shoot. I'm like, Lord, don't tell him nothing about me. He's going to tell everybody. <laughs> You two over there, y'all better quit that. In, that Anyway, I don't know why I'm going off on that. But are you feeding daily? You need to be in the word of God daily. Joshua 1.8 says, this is one of my memory verse. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do everything that is written in it. And then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have great success. How do you get prosperous and great success from not letting the book of the law, not letting the Bible depart from your mouth? Staying with it. Observing to do everything that is written in it. If you're not reading your Bible, man, you really don't have much of a chance. You with me? Read your Bible. Psalms 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. You ever tried walking through the house at night and hit something? Number three, am I serving faithfully? Are you on a serve team in one of our, one of our ministries in the church? Are you, are you maybe a greeter or an usher or you're on the sound team or the worship team? Or maybe you're volunteering for kids. If you're not in a serve team, you need to get on a serve team. You want me to tell you Why? Because the people that are on the serve team are carrying your weight. Get you some of that. Right? I know people that stay in children's church most of their life. You know why? Because nobody else wants to do it. My first ministry was in children's church. I realized I was a preacher when I was in children's church. You know why you need to you need to get involved in the church and, and, and get on a serve team and start serving? It's because we're better off with you. Our church is a better place with you serving in it. Amen. First Peter four ten says each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Number four, am I connecting regularly? Are you connecting regularly? Are you in a life group? 
Are you in the ebb and flow of the church? Are you just a Sunday morning superstar? Or are you in the every day of the church? Are you in the ebb and flow? You see, some of you don't know what goes on in the church because you're not ever here. Come on. Right? You need to be here. You need to get around other people so that you can receive something. Or so that you can give something. Amen? We need you here. Listen, God saved you not to keep you by yourself. He saved you to put around his other people. Remember, he calls us sheep. He doesn't have a, an individual pasture for you and then one for them. And he has a big pasture and he wants us all in there. Because sheep do better when they're together. Amen? Amen? Sheep do better when they're together. Right? We'll end with this verse right here in James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You know, sometimes you just need somebody to see that you're going through something. Right? You just need somebody that can read your face. Somebody that knows you well enough to go, man, what's wrong, man? What's going on? You all right? Or somebody that'll pull you to the side and say, hey, bro, you okay? can't get that if you're sitting at home by yourself. Right? God only has the best for us. You're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. All you got to do is live like you're new. Make decisions like a new person. Amen? If you got a weight problem, you just need to make a new person's decision. You need to say to yourself, you know what? I don't have to stuff myself like I used to. I'm new. Make decisions like a new person. Get around some other new people. Amen. And draw near to God, please. Your number one goal for 2014 should be to draw nearer to God. How many of you are willing to receive that this morning? Say, man, I just, I need to draw nearer to God because when I'm nearer to God, I'm further away from me. Amen. Can you stand up this morning? I just want you to open your hands up. Just get ready to receive something this morning. Just... Father, thank you that you've made us new. That you see us new, Lord. You don't see the old us anymore. Those, those things have been forgotten by you. Lord, sometimes we still remember and sometimes we still feel guilty and about the old us. Lord, I ask you to wipe that away. Pray you help us to overcome that. And pray the Father, we'll start living like new people. We'll start talking like new people. Start acting like new people. Making decisions like new people. That we'll draw it in near nearer to you because you made us new and you took away the old. And I pray for every person in this church this morning, Lord, that you would help us. 
And Father, there would be something inside of us that says, you know, I, gotta, I just got to get closer to God. That Lord, maybe our sensitivity would, would increase and we would realize when we're further away from God, we need to draw back. Maybe when we're, we're kind of slipping off the path, maybe we, we, can, we can realize quicker that, man, I'm, I'm slipping away, I need to get back. Father, help us as a church to draw near to you because you want to draw near to us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.